I may throw up on you. I think these things are pretty safe. Don't pander to me, kid. One tiny crack in the hull and our blood boils in 13 seconds. Solar fire might crop up and cook us in our seats. And wait till you're sitting pretty with a case of zombie takeout shingles. See if you're so relaxed when your eyeballs are bleeding. Podcasting is disease and danger wrapped in darkness and silence. Well, I hate to break it to you, but zombie takeout is a podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 501 of Zombie, Zombie Takeout, the B-Movie and Cult Movie Show. I'm John. And hello, I'm Scotto. And before we get to this week's movie, we've got some listeners submitted, both in reference to last week. Um, Bodo tweeted, So Wizard of Oz set the template for James Bond. Just kill them. Why all the elaborate crap? Did Tolkien <laughs> take stuff from Oz for Lord of the Rings? Great job. So proud of you guys for 500 episodes. Maybe watch Under the Rainbow, the quote-unquote making of The Wizard of Oz, supposedly. Wow. And and I like the James Bond thing, yeah. Um, yeah. And Bill Kirkbride, uh, who back in the day recommended Fido for us, uh, emailed saying, Congrats, guys, on your 500 episodes. I haven't been there the whole time, but going over the list, wow, I must have been there near the beginning. Thanks for my favorite episode of Fido back on, on 284. Keep kicking them out, and thank you very much. He also sent another email recommending a movie called Assassin 33 AD. Apparently, it's a time travel movie. I guess we have to wait till uh, 2033, though, so we got 10 more years to go <laughs> uh, before we can read that. Uh, uh, just fun fact, uh, 284, A Boy and His Zombie, Fido, mm-hmm. uh, that was June 3rd of the year 2016. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, only here. 11 years after we started podcasting. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking, if only there were a movie about uh, about jeans for this episode, but, you know. Um, mm, yeah, yeah. Oh, well. Maybe we should have done Gattaca for this episode. I guess that's no, a different type no, of jeans. No. Um, no? Okay. And that brings us to this week's movie from 2009, Star Trek. I almost forgot. I actually did forget to put it in my notes. A bit of listener submitted, but I think it was when we did Insurrection, um, or one of the one of the um, TNG movies. Um, we mentioned we were going to do this one, and and um, John Phillips said, "So you're going to be re- um, reviewing Star Wars?" And you know, it's it's the meme about this being more Star Wars than Star Trek. I don't know. Well, uh, it, could he mean that, or could he mean if we're going to do that? This Abrams movie? Are we going to do that Abrams movie too? I Have think, we done Force I, Awakens? I forget now. Yes, we did. We've done all of them. Um, <laughs> no, I think we skipped the last one. Oh, you're right. Uh, well, you know, I think we talked about it in an episode yeah. with another movie. Because I despise um, Theros. But you know, the the meme about you know this being more Star Wars than Star Trek. Aside from, you know, planets blowing up. You're right. I mean, that, that is a very Star Wars thing. Although now it's become a Star Trek thing. Yeah, true, Discovery true. did it too. Yeah, but outside of that, that it really isn't at all Star Trek. And as far as the action angle, which I think is what people refer to, it, it's too action-y to be Trek. You're th- like I said last time, you're thinking of TNG. If I took a photo of a, a Gorn from TOS 
and photoshopped done D-U-N on it 11 times, anyone who knows original Trek, TOS, would be able to hear that photo. <laughs> uh, and really, the, the you know, Roddenberry's intention is closer to the next generation. You know, that's much more of the show he wanted to do. Right. But the networks, you know, mm-hmm. they want action, they want blood. Right, you right. Know. But the point want, is... They want this. Yeah, they wanted something very much like this movie. I think if they had the effects at the time, if they could have pulled it off on a TV budget at the time, it would have been very similar. Yeah. Anyway. And of course, that brings us to the impromptu slot summary, brought to you by Slushow. Just because you repeat a reference, that doesn't make it interesting. And also brought to you by Red Shirts. Even in alternate timelines, for fuck's sake, do not wear a red shirt. Uh, poor Olson. Um, God, but not forgotten. Has <laughs> even forgotten. Anyway. Uh, so, Every red shirt is forgotten. <laughs> yeah. I even forgot what Celestia was already, and you explained it to me before we started mm-hmm. recording. Well, that's an Abrams thing more than a Trek thing. Um, <laughs> I, I got really way too into the lore of Cloverfield for a while. All right. So we have a, a starship captain uh, who should have another kid at this time, but for some reason does not. Mm-hmm. Uh, his wife is about to give birth to a child. Um, however, there's this giant uh, mining ship uh, that comes in and just starts. Um, I'm not sure what the hell they did. They just kind of appear mm-hmm. and they. Uh, Through a rift in space. Um, a rift in space. I mean, it was kind of obvious at the time that it was a rift in time, but they don't mm. spell that out at the beginning. Yes. So, of course, they've got this advantage because they're from the future. And, uh, well, they they uh, destroy everything, man. Uh, the, the They have a captain. Actually, that's right. Kirk wasn't the actual captain. Their captain gave Kirk the comm and went over. Their ship is, of course, the Kelvin which, of course, is the name for these movies on the Kelvin timeline. And uh, because the space, the the, uh, the time continuum is completely altered from this point on. So there should be another kid there, George. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so this young officer takes control of the ship and uh, does what he can to fight them off. And... Uh, so the, all the pods could escape and as many people can survive this attack. Now, I was confused because I thought it looked like he destroyed the ship. I mean, he ran into it with their ship, mm-hmm. detonating his yeah. ship. But for some reason, that didn't destroy the ship. Hmm. <laughs> so, oh well. Mm-hmm. This, uh, this, of course, this, this officer was George Kirk and... We get to see the birth of his son, James, who uh, they almost named Tiberius, but uh, they, you know. And I love how you have to know that the name Tiberius in that scene to get it. Yeah. (laughs) Because they never say Kirk. And of course, I mean, it's not entirely believable, but you'll forgive Mm -hmm. them because, I mean, how would they really be able to have communications in the middle of all this, you know, battle, the ship falling apart and stuff? A giant but metal if... claw is coming through a rift in space. Does it need to be believable? <laughs> well, it's a mining ship, so, you mm, know. The claw makes uh, sense. I'm, I'm on board with that still. 
but the co- having comms in the middle of uh, a battle like that, eh. however, it, you know, it does set up a poignant, you know, last moment with between mm-hmm. the husband and wife yeah. and, and him hearing his son before he dies. Uh, we fast forward a few years and he's a troubled youth, James Kirk. Uh, get you know he doesn't have his father there he's growing up with stepfathers and whatnot and um, also we see a young Spock who's uh, you know whose timeline hasn't been altered and is still uh, you know bullied for being a half Vulcan half Hmm. human then they skip ahead again to when they're adults Uh, Spock is he's not exactly a cadet is he He's kind of, or is he just like this star student who has made things uh, become a fixture at Starfleet, uh, including his uh, test? I mean, he's got to be a cadet to be assigned to a ship. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not really sure what his role is and why he's like more advanced than everybody else. I mean, he is Vulcan. And, you know, from what we learned in Enterprise, the Vulcans kind of run the show with, you know, Starfleet, so. But yeah, and I guess this was early days where there were not too many Vulcans serving aboard Federation ships either. Right. I mean, it's not like Enterprise where it was like an, oh my God, there's a Vulcan <laughs> coming aboard here. But yeah, it just wasn't that common that right. they would serve under a human. Right. And um, so he. And I'm find not going to make a trip joke. <laughs> he's the one that made the infamous Kobayashi Maru, a test that we have Mm -hmm. heard so much about. But we finally Um, got to see. We finally get to see. uh, Well, no, no. We saw it at the beginning of Wrath of Khan. Uh, Christy Alley is is failing it. Oh, no. I I mean, we finally get to see the infamous Kirk. Oh. You know, Rondro. Spock, you know, hints that, you know, in Wrath of Khan, Spock says, well... Yo, do you know how how you know Kirk passed it, right? And she's like, no. Let's just say his uh, his actions were interesting, something to that effect. Mm. So you always kind of wondered, like, well, what the hell did he do to get out of this? Well, I think they explicitly say at some point he cheated. No, no, they don't. That they wasn't just... established until this. Yeah, well, yeah, they just say that you know whatever he did was kind of you know it was unorthodox or whatever and you know spock kind of had an eyebrow raised (laughs) and uh just left it at that they they didn't get a chance to really go into it because then like the plot started no but i mean later in the franchise i think they had established that kirk cheated by reprogramming i don't think did they i don't think i remember actually seeing that until this okay i thought it was established before this and uh yeah, the, the, the whole scene, you know, you're, he's yeah. eating the apple and everything is just yeah. brilliant. Um, so, yes, he cheats at the Kobayashi Maru. He's about to be uh, reprimanded for it when uh, there's an attack on Vulcan and they have to go, which, I don't know. I They could have actually finished the hearing, at least, and had the attack rather than, like, or at least have him, you know, like, still serving and keeping him in there, but instead they kept him as an outsider hmm. throughout because, well, you know, nobody Kirk. really likes him. <laughs> and and Kirk is an outsider by his nature. Yes. He is the guy who is unorthodox and does things, you know, against the rules. That's his whole thing. Well, it's shtick. one thing to be unorthodox 
when you're like the son of a starship captain and, right. and groomed for the position. Right. He's unorthodox, but he doesn't have the experience to back it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet somehow in this, it didn't matter. Well, he's a Marty <laughs> Stu. And Kirk has always been a Marty Stu. Yeah. And, uh, so they, they go to Vulcan uh, just in time to see it being destroyed. Um, yeah, it gets the Alderaan treatment. And uh, and then the ship gets away from them, of course, because they're powerless against it because it's from the future. Um, and uh, there's a debate, of course, because Spock wants to go and rendezvous with the rest of the fleet, just as Pike had ordered. But Kirk wants to go and confront this ship and uh, do the things that Kirk does. Uh, he winds up getting marooned on a planet. <laughs> space of the pod <laughs> fortunately and uh he he lands on this planet that just so happens to be inhabited by the 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 prime spock from mm-hmm. our timeline that we're all that we're familiar with yeah and uh he gets and advice yes and scotty <laughs> which is really weird i'm not sure why his timeline would be so so different um I forgot what ship Scotty was on originally, but it was not mm-hmm. some outpost. <laughs> but maybe there was something in between. Maybe he was on this other ship and then got delegated out here. Well, it's implied that by going back in time, Spock changed things. So he, maybe well, he, it changed the entire timeline. Well, it's already been changed as soon as the, the Romulans crossed. Yeah, yeah. Like that, mm-hmm. but for everybody's time, I mean, mostly it would be people who were um, people who had someone that was on that ship that died in that attack. Of course, their their lives are, are forever altered. But it, it spirals out, though, you know, butterfly effect and all that. Very true, very true. There'd be other people and other things that they wouldn't have been there for people. So anyway, this uh, Scotty, well, actually, Spock takes Scotty Prime's theory of transwarp <laughs> which i don't know i don't remember them quite talking about it almost seemed like Chekhov had mastered this in a few scenes earlier mm-hmm. when he was transporting people that were moving in itself just not at as high extreme speed mm-hmm. and uh they beam him back him and scotty back to the enterprise um unfortunately scotty's in a water tank yeah, <laughs> which I think it's one of the first times they had a real fail, a transport fail like mm-hmm. this, <laughs> where it's just like, oops. I mean, I guess they've had it where someone's died before, you know, yeah, like yeah. in an accident here or there, but just what do they, what do they call it, splinching or something like that? Oof. Yeah, and so uh, they Spock Prime recommends to pick a fight with young Spock to get him to give up his command um i don't know how the crew would react to somebody just coming and saying your mom just died fuck you (laughs) (laughs) your planet just blew up what's wrong with you but it works and he takes the ship over and uh yeah he's the captain now because it was what spike what spike what pike (laughs) had requested in his orders before leaving and uh, they go do what Kirk wants to do, confront it, and, uh, you know, 
hilarity ensues pretty much. <laughs> I loved the opening music. It's just slightly off Kelter orchestral music that has this great kind of alien feel. My favorite part of the score, of course, was the fight scene on the platform, which yeah. is damn close <laughs> to just wish the song they, you alluded to. They the had Gorin. brought it back fully. Maybe they couldn't for rights reasons, but... Well, I don't know. Didn't they have the rights just to do this film? Maybe there was a thing with the music. I don't know. You know, maybe Because at the end they do the original theme. Well, that's true. I don't know. But they should have brought back that classic fight music. They should have had it done by like Metallica or something. Or modernized it, yeah. Um, well, maybe <laughs> keep it orchestral, funny. but you know, update it. <laughs> no, I would have liked a, you know, like an Anthrax <laughs> performing it. Loved the design of the Kelvin. Like they, you know, they take that classic Star Trek ship design and just twist it a little bit. Looked very cool. Um, loved those claws reaching through the rift. I forgot Hemsworth was in this. Oh, oh, uh, that's right. Hemsworth, Chris Hemsworth is... was George. George Kirk. Um, and I love that he was born during this timeline-altering event. Yeah, I kind of wonder, like, what would the circumstances have been had he not been, you know, mm-hmm. the timeline had been altered. And it kind of messes with your head if you get the Tiberius thing and you don't know what this is going in. Because Nero is chasing old Spock, but here is Kirk being born. Yeah. Also, forgot Sabotage was in this movie. Uh, Beastie Boys. Yeah, it's a very memorable scene. Just, uh... You know, the whole the, the whole uh, motorcycle cop, you know, citizen pullover. And over. it's used again in Beyond. Oh, is it? Yeah. There, I have a slight nitpick about it there, but we'll get to it when we get to Beyond. I mean, this movie I remembered a lot out of. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. that There isn't much out of Beyond I did remember. Oh, you've seen Beyond. Okay. <laughs> I believe I've seen it. It's the one with Khan, right? No, that's uh, Into Darkness. That's the second one. Oh. Beyond is the third one. So I'm not sure if I've seen it, honestly. I might not have. That's the Beyond is the one where the Enterprise gets destroyed. Oh, then I definitely haven't seen it. It's, I, I think, I'm I'm back and forth as to which is better. I love them both. And that's not a spoiler, of course, because think of how many times in the Star Trek series, in, in the movies, the okay. Enterprise gets destroyed. Right. They have to destroy <laughs> the Enterprise. It's a given. Like, like every three movies, it has to be destroyed. It was nice to get some backstory on Kirk and Spock. Um, now, who do you think, and you've seen more of Changing the Worlds than I have, who's a better Spock, Quinto or Peck? Man, I don't know. Quinto is really good in this. I'm leaning for Quinto, but I have to see more of Peck. Uh, I mean, yeah, Peck was good too, but I mean, it's been a while since, it feels like since Strange New Worlds has been on, mm-hmm. but... yeah. And I love the subtext of the first time he says, live long and prosper. <laughs> There's such a fuck you behind it. I like the one towards the end where, you know, if I did my normal greeting, it'd be kind of self-serving. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and young Spock doesn't say it back. Um, <laughs> for the same reason, presumably. Yeah. Kirk hitting on Ahura just makes sense. I think, didn't they have a thing off camera? Yeah. Uh, that's kind of tough to say. Not not the actors in the movie, the, the originals, um, Shatner and, and um, uh, I think it was alluded to. Yeah. yeah, I think they had a thing off camera. Um, 
but not Spock. I don't think they they've never alluded to. No, no, no. He's never had a had anything, um, except I, until now. But it could have implied because Kirk wasn't there, they had a relationship because of that. Okay, yeah, yeah. Which you could easily see happening, you know, if there, there's a gang that hangs out, mm-hmm. but somehow there's one person taken out of the gang, mm-hmm. you know, d- different things are going to happen. Yeah, and and we never really got to know her. At least not, not the Nishan Eccles version. Yeah. You know, she was never really featured in anything. It, I mean, she had her moments on the show. Mm-hmm. They, they needed to give her more. I, they've got her in Strange New Worlds. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, you know, we get more of her personality in that. Um, yeah, we definitely have. I get Kirk more in this version than I ever did with Shatner. I understand him more. Yeah, well... And Chris I Pine's guess, just yeah. a better actor. Let's, you know... <laughs> I love that he doesn't do a Shatner impression either. You know, it was really tough for me not to do that in the intro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hate to break it to yeah. you, but right. Zombie Takeout is a right. podcast. He doesn't do the impression, which I got to give him credit for. Yeah, because it, it, it would—it's tough not to just for those lines. Loved the meat cute between Kirk and Bones. <laughs> now I don't know if they've implied that. But of course, like, the timeline's changed. But I think they always had that Kirk and Bones go back a ways. Mm, yeah. But of course, that could have been changed because right. Kirk's life is completely changed. Yeah. Also, Kirk tried to get with the green bitch. Of course. <laughs> I just love that they made that text. And it probably wasn't the first time either. And that's... I don't know how far that reference goes. I know it from Rocky Horror. <laughs> uh, loved his arrogance during the, Kobe Mar- during the Kobayashi Maru scene. He's just uh, kind of like... The eating the apple and just completely just fucking off. Brilliant. Correcting people by not addressing him as captain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love that Spock designed the Kobayashi Maru. That was just a great detail they added. They also had it in um, Prodigy, the Kobayashi Maru. Okay. And I think Lower Decks, too. Yeah. I can't find Probably Lower Decks had I, it. Could, I could be getting them confused. Now, I was commending Pine for not doing a Shatner impression. Carl Urban is very much doing a, um, a DeForest Kelly impression. It and still kind of works. perfect. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have it any other way, yeah, honestly. Yeah. You just to, need his read on those lines to be I, bones. One thing I remember from the the next movie was that it didn't feel like there was enough uh, McCoy in it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I kind of feel like McCoy got relegated as a yeah. you know background character instead of one of the major three characters there. And I get Bones' fear of space. I wouldn't want to go up there. <laughs> well that was always a thing you know and, and he never wanted to be transported either yeah, yeah, yeah. like these fucking things you know one thing surprising though, blending the, your molecules up at least in the beginning he likes Spock <laughs> he says he likes Spock Bones never liked Spock uh, well he liked it at first and then after mm. he got oh, to yeah. know more he was just like what the fuck is wrong with you I like that they threw in the first you know are you out of your Vulcan mind Oh, they had everything in there. They had, yeah. damn it, Jim, I'm a, you know, not a... Yeah, yeah. 
a doctor or not or whatever. I just love, are you out of your Vulcan mind? Because Roddenberry <laughs> got as close to the line as he could with that line. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta say, I think Anson Mount is a much better Pike than Bruce Greenwood. Oh, of course. I, I mean, goddamn. Mount is, is, yeah. is he, the... the uh, yeah, I wanted to say OG Pike, but I mean, he is the... He's as close to, was it Jeffrey Hunter as you can get? I think he's better than Hunter. Oh, yeah, he's a better actor. Visually, he looks frighteningly like Jeffrey Hunter. Yeah. And I still can't believe he's the guy from the Britney Spears movie. <laughs> Crossroads. Yeah. Of course, you know, back to the movie, I love John Cho in pretty much anything. He's a brilliant Zulu. Almost wish he had a little more here, but it was nice for the hey, what kind of combat training are you? Did you take? Fencing. <laughs> Loved oh, his oh, good holding sword. <laughs> and then yeah, it actually does come in handy. <laughs> it's like okay. Of course, rest in peace, Ant- Anton Yelchin. Uh, Chekhov, you is brilliant too. Yeah. Um, Simon Pegg, perfect for Scotty. Is he though? I mean, Scotty's like a solid kind of a badass almost i mean like the actor in real life was like a yeah jim's doing definitely was um i kind of like his peg's read on him is a bit more of a fuck up (laughs) who just kind of gets things right accidentally i always like that trope i it was pretty funny the you know and if anything makes sense on this ship Mm -hmm. you should be off to the side somewhere But this movie makes me want to revisit TOS, even though I know the movie is, at least in my opinion, better than TOS. <laughs> I guess it depends on the TOS episode. There's, oh, yeah. They are definitely not all zingers, but well, when it hit, you know, it Season hit, three, you know? except, you know, even I won't, you know, take a shot at season three, because that's notoriously bad. But even the first I mean, two. Mm. Abraham Lincoln in space. Yeah. Uh, Spock's beard. Uh, Spock's beard. Spock's brain. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I remember seeing that one as a kid. How even as a kid, I was like, "How are they keeping such a straight face when they're saying lines like, you know, we must get back Spock's brain?" Hmm. Loved Kirk trying to keep them from the Romulan trap while having the allergic reaction. <laughs> as someone who has suffered anaphylaxis, it was a little too real. <laughs> My hands. Also love that they don't explain the red matter. Hmm. There's never any techno babble phlebotinum trying to say how the red matter works. It just does the thing. It's just a drop that creates a black hole when dropped into a planet's core. It's just the MacGuffin. Yeah. Well, not the MacGuffin, but it's just a, a plot device that they don't you bother know, trying to explain away. It's It's something that the original series crew seemed to have done quite often mm-hmm. coming up with these amazing technological uh, planet altering universe altering discoveries that they don't realize can easily be weaponized yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on a planetary scale mm-hmm. or in that case a galactic scale it could take i mean think about it a black hole anything around it planets whatever <laughs> gone Although, if I'm nitpicking, the black hole would not go away once it consumed the planet. There's no right. quenching a black hole. 
Oh, right. Totally. You're just adding mass to it and making it stronger. Yeah. So I was like, huh, interesting that Spock would uh, come up with something like this. But hey, you know, the, the same thing with like the Project Genesis from uh, Khan. It was kind of like you you don't see how this could be weaponized in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. It kills everything, every last motherfucker on the planet and then creates a new uh, new atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. How good. <sighs> now, the, when they use the transporter to you know, rescue Kirk and Sulu from falling, I gotta nitpick that scene. Because unless the transporter changed their velocity, they <laughs> would still die. I, I thought that too. Because they... if they're still falling... They're still falling at the same speed. And yeah. I don't care if they're falling two feet. That's still going to kill them. Right, because they were just falling at that velocity. It's called terminal velocity for a reason. Yeah. So maybe the stasis field can slow you down, but it doesn't look like it because they still had kind of like a falling thing when they uh, came onto the, the platform. And also... With the the whole bread matter black hole thing, not only would it not quench the black hole, taking even if it did, taking away a planet would still fuck with the rest of the system. Oh, totally, exactly. That's what I meant, like a galactic scale. Yeah. If there's a whole, you know, <laughs> a whole system there, it would pretty much wipe it all out eventually. Yeah, it, it would basically create a domino effect. Mm-hmm. It would throw the whole thing into chaos. You know, if there was a Romulan system close to that, to Vulcan, he could just be killing his own people. Yeah. Love the creatures on the ice planet, the big insectoid thing, and, you know. Because all TOS had, I don't even think they had it, were the Klingon dogs. I can't think of their name offhand. Oh, yeah, I can't think of them either. I think that's maybe the only real creatures they had, and I don't even think we saw those until maybe DS9. Um hmm. So it was nice to see proper creatures in a Star Trek thing. Because even the TNG movies didn't really do creatures. No. Um, I was a little confused because I thought it was an alternate universe. So when Spock said he went back in time, I was trying to put everything together. (laughs) Because alternate universe would explain all the changes. But I guess if you you divert the timeline at at, at, Kirk's birth, it's far back enough that it does cause enough of a ripple. It's... um... It's kind of strange, because how does that Spock still exist, you know? I mean, I like that they played with the whole paradox thing, and he used that to scare yeah, Kirk into not talking about right, it. Right, not telling uh, Kelvin Kirk, Spock about him, about Prime yeah. Spock, yeah. Um, Nero's vengeance, brilliantly cruel, strand Spock on the planet to watch Vulcan die. Yeah, and then have the other, Vul- the other Spock watch mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Which I think it's kind of the theme of the movie is, um, you know, if you focus so much on your vengeance, it, it it's ultimately your undoing. Because think mm-hmm. about it, at the very end, when a new black hole is being created, uh, Kirk and Spock decide rather than, you know, rule number one of a black hole, keep your distance. Right. They instead decide, let's fuck this guy. <laughs> yeah. And wind up almost getting caught in the black hole. Really, uh, I mean, if we're talking physics, so they're that close to it, 
they most likely would have just been caught in the black hole and killed. And plot armor, you know? Because I I watch a lot of science-y stuff. And if you get past the event horizon, you get spaghettified. Which would kill you, right? Yes. But it would take a very, very long time. I mean, it's kind of the ideal death that we Italians uh, think about, Mm. but... It's... Time is kind of wonky in a black hole because light can't even escape it. I loved that they couldn't get out with warp because there's no telling how far past light speed you would have to go to escape a black hole. We we don't have anything that can go as fast as light, so there's no way to know. It is always a funny thing about, you know, Star Trek is about the science and everything, and of course, you know, it gets to, I'm giving you everything, you know, the the engine's got. But suddenly they can try to figure out a way to do more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's been a Star Trek thing since day one. That was the other thing that was kind of Star Warsy when they rode the explosion. <laughs> Seeing them come through an explosion is kind of a Star Wars thing. Yeah. Um, I don't think Trek normally does that. Well, Trek also doesn't normally have fighters. so And, and planetary explosions yeah, at this right. point. Um, I can't remember a planetary destruction as- aside from Project Genesis, and now it's become a usual fixture with like uh, right, right. Discovery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not sure how I felt about Keenzer, um, Scotty's sidekick. Oh, yeah, I'm trying to remember what creature that's supposed to be. It looks like a very Star Wars species. I checked um, Memory Alpha; they it says unknown in first species. So they never establish. Just kind of a goofy sidekick. that yeah. uh, I think in the original timeline, actually, and I'm just going by the novel, The First Voyage, I think it's called. It was kind of a prequel thing where, you know, Kirk is taking over the ship. Mm-hmm. But Scotty was on Pike's crew uh, in that, at least. And of course, for Strange New Worlds, we should see a Scotty sooner or later, really. Yeah. Makes sense. But I don't know if they actually want to cast him. Loved when uh, Kirk finally took the captain's chair. Then he got very Shatner, at least physic- physically. <laughs> His physicality was very, very Shatner. And I guess the, it's the one beef I really have with this movie is it's uh, it's this concept of destiny, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> just, you know, no matter what, you're just, you're going to do this. You're going to succeed you know in something you know it there was no deviating from it no one had better plot armor than kirk (laughs) right but say you know he like i said he grew up groomed with the father that was a captain Mm -hmm. who who taught him everything you know and here he was just kind of fucking around but you know pike's still like you're gonna you're gonna be a great captain someday (laughs) it's like what that, that just doesn't happen on its own, mm-hmm. you know? Life is kind of like space travel. One slight nudge and you're sent in a completely different direction. Yeah. They've never established before, aside from the implication about the Kobayashi Maru, that Kirk failed upward. Hmm. They establish in this that he basically failed upward. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, he failed upward. Uh, you know, he was kind of riding that, I mean... Yeah, Pike just believed, well, he came from this guy, so he's got to be good. Right, right. 
and you know some people believe that too in this now they did kind of rip off enterprise the attack on earth was very similar um, to the zindi yeah and that was a, a huge what the fuck like <laughs> this attack that no one had ever mentioned any time before right. Right. in the entire franchise all mm-hmm. of a sudden just happened right <laughs> Although I think if TOS could have done a firefight like the one on Nero's ship, they definitely would have. Oh, definitely. That was that was great. <laughs> just beamed into it and just. <laughs> and the ship inside the ship, uh, it just uh, there were some great things here. I think it was when we reviewed uh, First Contact. I had said, you know, my gripe about all of the you know showcast movies was that they were made by people who don't know how to make movies. All right. This, this was is... made by people who know how to make a fucking movie. It's a very different kind of filmmaking. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I love that they didn't do a submarine battle. <laughs> I love Star Trek submarine battles, though. But it's such a cliche. Uh, I mean, and it's, it wasn't when they did it in the original series. Oh, true, I mean, true. Fucking brilliant. <laughs> And I did question him choosing violence at the end, but that's Kirk. He wakes up every day and chooses violence. That's his whole thing. Well, the whole thing of, you know, he he offered the health and then, but, you know, like I said, it was pretty stupid because they could have easily gotten themselves killed with them. But my brothers who were big fans of the original of COS in the day pointed this out. That Kirk and Spock originally were, they represented emotion versus logic. True. You know, one was purely emotional, one was purely logical. Um, and, and I think this really set that off nicely. And, and well, really, kind of gave it, a little bit of, um, they influenced each other nicely in that sense. It's McCoy that, that, that represents the pure emotion. Yeah, where, true, where true. Kirk is a person who, uh, you know, about wisdom, about learning, mm. reading the room, yeah. right, a- and figuring out what to do, what's mm-hmm. right, yeah, and using both of them a- as things, as tools to figure that out. That's a good point. Yeah, of course, e- ejecting the warp core classic. All I thought of was lower decks. I forgot all about them ejecting the warp core in this, but it was a running joke in lower decks. (laughs) And then it finally was right. (laughs) (laughs) They had like a big party because he was finally right. And be sure and security guy. (laughs) And Nemo reciting the old opening was just a nice little cherry at the end. Yeah passing of the baton yeah. sequels and remakes huh could they ever make a sequel to this <laughs> two sequels of course it's a reboot of tos yeah the, the next one is somewhere in development hell i think i don't know yeah uh, i i think the return of the series kind of slowed the interest in it yeah because you know this was the first new track in a long time yeah, since, uh, since Enterprise went off, I yeah, think. which was like 2005, I think. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it had been years since any track, so this came along. And I think it was just a few years after Beyond that 
the discovery started and then they had new people doing track and the shows were popular so they kind of slowed on the movies uh, and yeah it's amazing how much trek there is out there now. Mm-hmm. oh god yeah <laughs> It's, it's, yeah, I guess it's anything like you know how much Star Wars is out there now. It's and you called Star Wars fatigue, yeah, long before it happened. You thought I was crazy. Yeah, you were right. <laughs> you couldn't see how anybody could probably do it. I'm like, no, no, they're going to do so much. Yeah, and, <laughs> and now well, it's they even figured it out right away because they were going to do two Star Wars yeah. movies a year. Remember yeah. mm-hmm. that was going to be the original plan: one in the summer, one in December. And now I think we're on our way to Trek fatigue. And then we lost, I mean, they had a great movie like Solo and uh, it completely got lost because it was in the middle of two other movies, like six months apart from each. We're in the minority in terms of thinking that's a great movie. Uh, there's a lot. I of agree people, with you, but we're in the minority. There's a lot of people that, that blew it off they were pissed about last jedi and they've come back to it they go oh this is surprisingly good <laughs> on the brains on the brains i love it it's one of my favorite trek movies i think it's up there with khan in first contact if not better i'm going five it is it's definitely up there with them um i almost dinged it half a brain for the whole destiny bullshit because mm-hmm. i mean you know, life experiences matter, but mm-hmm. I'm going five. <laughs> and what have we learned? Uh, we learned that, uh, you know, the funny thing about Destiny is I didn't even have to write a joke here because it was my destiny to tell one. And I learned that fidget spinners can go back in time. Is that what that was? It looks like a fidget spinner. That was a fid- Spock was flying a fidget spinner. <laughs> And that's it for Star Trek. Until next time when we'll be reviewing Star Crystal, going from a great science fiction movie to one that's probably not. I haven't seen it, but from what I, I know. I can't remember deciding upon this one or what it was, but I, you you know, I probably can't be into this one when we went over the list a couple weeks ago. Or last week, because we, last week we came back from the break. We were going over the list and you were really pushing Star Crystal. Maybe it was before the break. <laughs> But yeah, you really hype on Star, Star Crystal, so we're getting to Star Crystal next week. Until then, of course, always remember, never forget, wherever you go in life, there you are. There you are. Mm-hmm.